All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers, what the fuck buddies, what the fucksters, what's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. WTF, welcome to it. Today, it's a big day. Uh, Jessica Chastain is on the show. I talked to Jessica Chastain. We did it before the strike. You know who she is. She's an Oscar winner for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. She, she's also been in movies like The Help, Zero Dark Thirty, Interstellar, and The Martian. She was just on Broadway performing in A Doll's House. And she's Emmy-nominated for her recent performance as Tammy Wynette in the George and Tammy miniseries. She's amazing. A great actress. A fucking movie star sitting right in the room with me. You know, sometimes I get a little overwhelmed because when certain actors or actresses or people that I, I think are great or seemingly uh, bigger than life or something, when they show up as humans, um, I I still have a hard time accepting it. It was really the entire conversation with uh, Jessica Chastain was, um, it was uh, electric to me because I just couldn't believe she was sitting there and talking to me. But she's just a person. She just happens to be a movie star, as far as I can tell, and a great actress. So that's going to happen for all you people. That is that is coming down the pike here shortly. I'll be doing five shows at Helium in St. Louis, September 14th through 16th. Buy some tickets. I, I did all right there last time, but it doesn't seem like anybody wants to go this time. It was It's weird because I it's hard for me to tell. What, like Salt Lake City sold out four shows. I'll be at the Las Vegas Wise Guys on September 22nd and 23rd for four shows. And then in October, I'm at Helium in Portland, Oregon on October 20th through 22nd for five shows. Those shows are selling out already. You can go to WTFpod.com for tickets. And, uh, oh, there's one other thing. I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I'm presenting a Dog Day Afternoon at the American Cinematheque at the Arrow Theater on August 26th. I think you can get tickets. I, I don't know how exactly. You can go to American cinematech.com and find it. I don't know if that's a member thing or you can just buy a ticket. I think you probably just buy a ticket. But Dog Day Afternoon in a nice 35-millimeter print. As you know, I had quite the experience watching that recently, and now I'm going to—I'm excited about watching it again. I've been doing that lately, man. I've been watching movies again, like, right after I watched them the first time. And I don't know what this is all a testament to. I've been reading books. I, I Well, I'm talking to a lot of people who've written books, but I, I don't know. It's good. Uh, something in me is is engaging. And uh, in a in a in a good way, like last week, on uh, my sober birthday, I don't think I told you this, but I watched a movie that uh, is sort of like it's it's right up there with Michael Clayton for me. A movie that no one ever talks about, though now people talk about Michael Clayton a lot, and I like to think that I kind of started that. You know, I I feel like if you go back and you check the timing on things, that I was really the one that brought the new attention to Peter Green original guitar player for Fleetwood Mac. And I believe personally, uh, maybe maybe I'm being, sorry, I got it cold, uh, self-centered, but, uh, or maybe I'm just being grandiose, but I, I think I got the uh, Michael Clayton conversation going a, a few years back. I think I was kind of responsible for the new momentum of Michael Clayton. And I'm not going to try to do that with this movie, but uh, Changing Lanes, which I believe came out in 2002, with Ben Affleck and Samuel L. Jackson is a great 
recovery movie. Like on my sober birthday, I'm like, what am I going to watch? And I and I thought about it. I, I had seen Lost Weekend fairly recently. The Days of Wine and Roses I saw fairly recently. Um, for I've seen that many times. I didn't want to watch the Bill W. story. I didn't want to watch Clean and Sober with uh, Michael Keaton, although the opening sequence of that is pretty gnarly when he wakes up next to a dead person. Um, but I decided on Changing Lanes, and this is a movie I've watched very often, and I believe it's, I think it is some of the best acting both Affleck and Jackson have done in their entire careers. And there are some scenes in that that are just masterclasses. And I don't like using that word. I don't like using the word storytelling or the word authentic. And, you know, trauma is starting to wear me out a little bit. But but I'll, I'll say masterclass only because of the way that, and Sidney Pollack's in it. Sidney Pollack is always uh, amazing. And that's a, that's a sort of, you go right from Michael Clayton to Changing Lanes. I don't know why it wasn't a bigger movie, but here's the deal. Brendan, I'm going to make Brendan watch it. And we're going to talk about it for some bonus material. We're going to do a, a session on Changing Lanes. It's quite a movie. And I'll leave it at that because I got to talk to Brendan about it. All right. But watch it if you want to be up to speed when we do that, that bit of business. Before I forget, you know, we should keep our, our minds and and charity and concern with uh, the people in Maui if they need help and you feel like helping if you're one of those people that is a, an impulse to wonder where to give money. We put a link in the episode description to Charity Navigator. Uh, they did a roundup of various organizations responding to the Maui recovery effort, everything from food banks to animal shelters to disaster aid, and you can select the one that's right for you. Just go to the episode description in whatever app you're using and click on the link for Hawaii Wildfire Relief. That seemed pretty fucking devastating uh, and pretty fucking scary in terms of how fire works how quick it spreads, where it's going to pop up. You know, I know it's a concern for us in California all the time. And my heart goes out to those people down there in Maui. Salt Lake City, man, I tell you, out of all the cities in the United States that I wouldn't have assumed would be a big city for me in terms of my comedy, it is really one of the biggest cities for me in my comedy. Like people come out to see me there and they're nice people. They're, they're just good audiences. And, and I have a sort of love for that city. I've talked about this before. Every time I go there, I have this experience. Whether people are Mormon or they're not Mormon, the people that I have experienced in Salt Lake City are always very nice and very open to the work I do. And it was just, uh, and Wise Guys is a great club. But here, this was a little creepy. And uh, I'll share it with you. So... After one of the shows, um, it must have been Friday night, second show. And I don't know if I handle these things right. And that it, this is only in retrospect that I'm able to to share this like this in a way. I, I, so after the show, I, I'm, I, I'm walking out the front door to walk back to my hotel in the sort of dry heat of Salt Lake City. And there are two guys out front who I saw leaving the club. They were talking to two women they must have been in their 20s. They they looked pretty lit up, not drunk, not necessarily, you know, high, but just amped. 
And they had that kind of like, uh, one of them looked like just a, a pretty classic desert rat hipster dude. And I don't know if it's hipster. I don't know if desert rat necessarily is hipster, but he looked a little scruffy, looked a little lanky. You know, had a hat, had a little uh, kind of a beard and mustache thing going, had, you know, a pretty intense uh, energy, you know, kind of vibrating and, and that look in his eye, like, you know, going to fuck things up look. And then he was hanging out with a guy that was around the same age, didn't look as uh, hard, looked like he was the, you know, the second banana, the kind of like, hey, man, you know, I don't know if we should do it. And then the other guy's like, fuck, yeah, we're going to do it. He's like, all right, dude, let's fucking do it. He was the second guy, but they were there talking to these women and uh as i'm walking out you know i i they did not look like people who would come to my show on purpose you know this, this is my projecting though like after the second show on on saturday night there was definitely a bridal uh bachelorette party there who i'm sure uh, did no research i i just don't see that if you looked me up and you were like where are we gonna go for for cynthia's party for her bachelorette you wouldn't look me up and say, like, this guy's going to be great for that. But I didn't talk to them. I just knew that, like, they were probably, they, they seemed to be having a good time, but it had nothing to do with me. It was after the show. So anyway, I'm walking out. I see these guys, and I'm walking by them, and they, they kind of, I can feel their energy on me. And, and one of them goes, so what are you doing now, man? What are you doing now? Now, this is after I do a show that was, you know, yeah, there was plenty of anti-anti-Semitism uh, material in it. Plenty of declaration, uh, self-declaration of Jewishness in it. So, okay. So this guy goes, what are you doing now? And then the other one's like, yeah, man, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm just going to go back to the hotel, you know? And I go, like, oh, yeah? And uh, I'm like, why? What's up? He's like, and the little bearded, uh, rattier looking one goes, uh, you sure you don't want to do any hate crimes? You want to go do some hate crimes? And, you know, it's a weird question. Do you know what I mean? Uh, even comedically, it's a weird question. But I took it as such. And I said, sure, man, you got any spray paint? Let's go find a synagogue. And I thought I'd just add to the joke that I had started. But then as I was walking away with the weird, uh, uncomfortable laugh after that exchange, I thought, like, wouldn't that be how it would start? Wouldn't that be, like, you know, obviously I'm an old man, and I don't need to hang out with these, like, you know, 20-somethings who are all lit up for one reason or another with their, with their uh, I don't even think they were their girlfriends. But wouldn't that, it, whatever that tone was, that kind of cryptic sort of, like, is he joking or is he not joking, which is a fairly popular tone now. You know, that like, yeah, yeah, it's a joke, man. It's a joke, right? Or no, is it a joke? Maybe. Trumpy does that a lot. It's kind of a, a shifty two-sided thing. You know, like, how's it going to land? Depends on who you are, and then I'll decide whether it was a joke or not. But what if I said, yeah, let's hang out. What are you guys doing? Would I have become the hate crime? I don't know. Yeah, but obviously, I'm not going to hang out with them. I'm, but but I, I just wondered, wouldn't that tone be roughly the same? I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe I'm being weird. But it happened. So listen, this is exciting. This is exciting. And again, and again, thank you, Salt Lake City. This is exciting. Uh, Jessica Chastain is here. 
Uh, she's nominated for an Emmy in the category of Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for her performance in George and Tammy. This episode was recorded on June 14th before the SAG-AFTRA strike, and it was uh, lovely, exciting for me uh, to talk to uh, Jessica Chastain. <laughs> Nice to see you. What happened to your hand? I, Cooking? Yes. Sometimes I think um, I think I have st- I still have restaurant hands because I worked <laughs> in a restaurant at some point in my life. Cooking? Cooking in a restaurant or right? Just like oh, a short cool. order. No, I'm not a real cook. It was years yeah, ago. But it was probably the last job I had. Nineteen. <laughs> I don't know. I was uh, probably in, just out of college. But yes. But you know, when you cook in a kitchen, you just think. You yeah, can. of course. Yeah, yeah. So that covered was, in. But I did it twice. I stuck it into a toaster. You stuck so stupid Ooh. to because uh, I was dealing with um, you know some sort of uh, you know badly melting vegan cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. That's the hardest part about the, the cheese ve- is the cheese. That's How long have you been a vegan? For almost twenty years. So that's crazy. I know. I was like, I was vegan before they even really had store bought vegan cheese. Did you? It was an ethical thing. Uh, when did it start? Uh, it started, I think, because I didn't have a lot of energy. I wasn't feeling well. And then a friend of mine who is a famous actress. Uh, you can mention her name. <laughs> okay, Michelle Williams. <laughs> um, we did a play together, and she had this uh, two-week food delivery program yeah. that they gave her at some award show. And then yeah. she wasn't going to use it, so she gave it to me, and it was vegan food. And so, that was it? Yeah, and so that it was, just, was it. And you, wait, so you felt better? Like the energy thing resolved yeah, itself? I mean, not only was it vegan, it was like raw vegan, which that was rough. It's crazy. That was crazy. And yeah. I did like a week, and the first week I was just so pissed off all the time, and I just yeah. felt like, what is this? Yeah. And then the second week, it felt like I was high. <laughs> really? I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, man. I just felt so happy and calm and cool. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, I, then I finished the two weeks. And did I, that high last till now? <laughs> well, I'm not raw vegan anymore. <laughs> but oh, you think it was the raw thing? I think so. I mean, and then I what is when I finished though, I went and had fish and risotto. Yeah. And immediately, I just felt tired and sick again. Really? So I was like, gosh darn it, I'm vegan. Do you have a, a vegan sort of chemistry brain? Do you know how everything goes together? And um, I'm not someone who thinks like I need a ton of protein because there's protein in everything, cauliflower. And, really? Yeah. So I'm not. I'm never like, and also I'm not really. I mean, I'm muscly, but I'm not like bulking up. I'm not like I need to be on a high protein diet. You, you know? never, you never had to bulk up <laughs> for a role. Well, I actually, actually, that's that's not. I did bulk up for a role, and the nutritionist told me to eat a ton of quinoa. Really? Yeah. So that was uh, for the vegan approach. Sentai. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Because <laughs> I was watching. Like, it's funny though. Like I look, I I mean I loved uh, uh, the George and Tammy. Sh- I watched oh. it. I watched it all in a day, which is oh, probably you did? not, it's oh not my recommended. Gosh. That it's, would be depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's it was a lot. I did not yeah. feel great oh. after, but no, no, no. I'm big fans of both of them. So I, uh, to fill in all those gaps mm. around the sort of mythology of those two was right. great. But there, but to get back to bulking up, there were moments, and I've had I only had it. I've had it a couple other times where you know. Michael, who I've talked to yeah. before, where he's wearing certain shirts where I'm like, wow, George looks pretty fit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He goes he, he goes back and forth from like, 
older white hair George with a little belly to like, oh, wow, look at him. But like he had muscles. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but, but that's just, you know, we all stay in shape and you get a roll. You're not like, it, I don't know if you're going to, but you must have lost weight for that, right? I lost weight for the last episode because they had to do the side, you know, we did the flashback to the first episode. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, once she had the port, she couldn't really eat anymore. She lost a ton of weight. So that's when I fasted. I didn't really realize that she was that young when she died. 55. I didn't. Yeah. Well, she looked like she was in her 70s. Right. And that old monster lived till he was 80 something. Oh, what a monster. Oh, my God. I know. I mean, the stories about what happened after her death, it's just, you know, we have, because it's quite, fascinating so of course it makes sense that you would someone would be like well let's add this but you're like i don't want to give that any life of its own like you know? what well just the idea that her kids had no idea after she died and you know about what that she died what yeah they found out from the news and then she was there was like a party at the house with yeah and she was lying there on the couch really hours later yeah that everyone was like viewing her and her kids showed up i mean it was pretty you know, yeah. it's pretty gnarly. gnarly. Huh. I mean, you can read it. It's all in books and people have talked about it. Well, I mean, it was sort of, it, it's interesting to me because I, I, I watch acting more closely lately um, because I do some of it. <laughs> and uh, Which, by the way, you're really good at it. Well, that's very nice of you yeah. to say. I, I do what I can. I do. <laughs> I, I give it my all. <laughs> but, um, but I could probably use a little, uh, I, I, I always sort of casually get lessons from you for instance but uh yeah but andrea's pretty great too you probably were like whoa the well, two of you guys together were amazing yeah but i didn't really know her mm-hmm. and I, I knew some of her work mm-hmm. and you know when we first met i'm like all right but all you can do is show up yeah. and do it yeah do you know what i mean do you like, leave yourself open to what's in front of you i find that if i get out of my own way yeah it tends to be better right and yeah. and i i did you know i did things you know i i did the the accent? <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. I, I I figured it. I figured it. But it was good because I'm naturally somewhat codependent, and mm-hmm. I knew it was kind of her movie. So I was sort of like I felt like I was there in service of her either way, in character, out of <laughs> in character, in character and out. That's so fascinating. Wow. But, but uh, you really ground the movie though, in a but, really nice way. You guys, it does. I know you say you're in service, but it feels like a partnership. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely felt bad for her uh, in as a character, and and uh, but also like she's like very intense. Yes. So it's just sort of like there's a there. I guess it, you've had it where you work with people. You're like, I'm not gonna talk to her right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Mike Shannon could be like that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, he is in it right now. All right, let's keep. I'm just gonna. We're gonna keep the energy of this. Yeah. Of the scene, and let's go. What I thought, like in retrospect, the thing I keep thinking about in that movie, because I try to f- uh, kind of focus on these scenes where where something really changes, and obviously those characters get old. But when you guys are making out when you're old, <laughs> it was really kind of the most vulnerable of all of it. That was my favorite love scene, actually. Right? Yeah, fully clothed. Like there's nothing that felt like salacious. It just felt loving yeah and, and given yeah and given the past love yeah. scenes with those two right one way or the other there and also it was you know totally clothed yeah and there was nothing to really lose anymore Mm-mm. and you didn't really seem to give a shit whether you were going to get caught yeah and, i know and, and 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 but you both sort of acted you were acting the old movements like <laughs> you know when when you have the precedent set for how they used to do it and then you're kind of like mm, yeah you know. i mean it would be slightly awkward if you're if you're 
playing someone throughout the years and then you you know Mike's got this white wig on yeah. and, and now all of a sudden he there's nothing changed about the way he's kissing or like well, holding yeah. And, yeah that but, would be awkward but I think that is like I think that's probably the hardest thing to do you mm. know once you get the character in place to to age out like that and then yeah. to behave properly in that type of intimacy as that older version yeah yeah I just kept thinking because she was in so much pain. Right. Oh, right. At that right, point in her right. life. I just kept thinking about that, like, where's the pain in the body? And, you know, when I don't feel good, I don't want to move very much, you know, right. in that sense. And that kind of like, I didn't think like, oh, okay, I need to act older. I just kind of thought of like, okay, where's my pain in my body? What does it feel like? Yeah. Okay, but I love him. And how do I express love when this ex- also exists in my body? Right. And then the love for him is also a sickness. Totally. Yes. There's a lot of addiction in this show. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, now, I mean, you know, I'm a sober guy. So, like, you know, all of it is like this is relentless. Oh, my God. But, it, it, but everybody sort of changes. I, I don't know. Like, what did you – like, this is the second time in a fairly short window that you've played, like, real people. And, mm-hmm. and they're both kind of country people. Yeah. I mean, I play – actually, I play a lot of real people, like Molly Bloom. Right. Or, yeah, yeah, Even yeah. in The Good Nurse. Yeah. This, this, I play a nurse who, who tracked down um, a serial – or helped get a, a, a killer to confess and stop him. But you spent time with Bloom, right? I spent time with Bloom. I I spent time um, on the Good Nurse. I yeah, with with George and Tammy. Obviously, I couldn't spend right. time with uh, Tammy Wynette, but spent time with her daughter. Yeah, spent time with Peanut Montgomery and Charlene. So you you do these real people, but like when you're doing like just as well, okay. So let's just stick with Tammy. So like, where does it start the process of of what do you like? Do you start with like emotional thing of her? Mm, her started because my process was really long with this one yeah uh josh brolin actually approached me in 2011 at the yeah. golden gloves it was the first time i was ever there yeah was, i just had movies come out yeah and it's like all of a sudden he's this huge movie star and he's coming up to me talking to me like he knows me which also was like what is happening he's, he's in my very, life very good at disarming you yes he is he's like just, he i never met before in my life when he came over here he got out of the car and i'm like oh i know this guy yeah totally <laughs> he's just like a normal kind of kind dude charming you know? motherfucker very but. charming <laughs> And he just came up to me and said, have you ever thought about playing Tammy Wynette? And I was like, no, but sure, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. So it was his, did he have the the project? Yeah, and he's a producer on our project. Yeah. Um, And so it was like for over a decade I was thinking about playing her. And it kind of went, I had to, the first place I started was kind of getting ready rid of any preconceived idea I had about her because, you know, there was this whole movement of, you know, feminists saying that yeah. Stand By Your Man is a song that's really bad for women. Yeah. Hillary Clinton c- came out and said, I'm no, you know, Tammy right. Burnett standing by my sure. man. And sure. Tammy was like, why am I being brought into this? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was She all... was alive for that? Yeah. Uh. She, and then she, um, they ended up making up her, her and Hillary. And I, I believe Tammy performed... At one there was that much events. tension that it required a making up with? Oh, yeah. I don't know if it was on 60 Minutes, uh-huh. but it was a big, big deal when Hillary Clinton said that. She used it that. as a reference. Yeah, to yeah. the Monica Lewinsky okay. situation. Yeah, she got, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and, uh, and she ended up standing by her man. <laughs> there you go. Well, Tammy Wynette was, was married five times. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for all these women to say, oh, this song is so bad for women. Yeah. It's also, it's like how you're interpreting the song. And, right. and our series kind of goes into it. I mean... Stand by your man, and our series isn't about standing by someone, standing with someone, 
you know, through difficulty, you know, when it's bad for you. Although towards the end, Tammy really is in a, in a bad situation yeah. in her life. So, okay. So getting back to the original question. So what did you focus in on when you de- dealt with the character of her? Like, what's the first part of That's the That's the first. I had to get, uh, you know, my own misconceptions of who she was. And the, Did you, you know, grow up with her music at all? Well, I knew Stand By Her Man. Sure. You know, that's pretty... But you, you don't come but from nothing the country else. No. music people. I mean, yeah, I do. I mean, I was... Patsy was always in the house. Oh, yeah? Patsy Klein, yeah. Because your mom? Who had the yeah, Patsy? Yeah, I think it was my mom, my grandma, maybe. Oh, yeah? Played a lot of Patsy. Yeah. Um, And then... I'm trying to think. Was it Kitty Wells? I, I mean, I'm Kitty obsessed Wells, with yeah. Kitty Wells. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember if I, yeah, I, I don't remember who introduced me to Kitty, but so I had like, I definitely had a foot in it. Yeah. Um, right. Which is probably why I was so interested. And of course, Hank Williams, like everyone, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I love those harmonies. I love like yeah. a folk singer songwriter music yeah. that feels. Like it, not that it costs something, but feels deep. Yeah, yeah, you, you know? know, yeah. I, I definitely. It sometimes it resonates. It's not. It's not that common. Yeah. You know, it's kind of. But like Kitty Wells, and the other thing about these country artists is they record new stuff until they're a hundred years old. Oh yeah. <laughs> they just keep doing it. It's that, and also it's that because they they weren't used to really performing. Um, with sound systems, right? right? So they have that Early voice yeah, that just yeah, yeah. cuts into you. Well, was that true? That was that a real thing? The uh, when he recorded, um, he stopped loving no, today. That was no, that was that was the magic of uh, writing. But the reality, I mean, the, it was true. And there's a whole book that we read a, that it's amazing. I forgot what it's called, but it the whole book. Um, is about the recording of that song. Really? Yeah, it's an amazing read. And about how long it took and how difficult it was and how um, Billy, in some sense, really kind of manipulated a situation and really, you know, how it was like 600 takes, like over and over again, they would, he would piece together line by line to get this song done. I thought it was pretty honest for a rendition of, uh, you know, how the record business works with those guys oh, yeah. without fully demonizing them. Oh, completely. That it, you're, it's rare that you are able to empathize a bit, you know, with the uh, executives and studio people that are taking advantage of the artist, kind of. Because yeah. there, there is a, a, a relationship there, but you always feel like the, the record execs, the monster. Yeah. But like even in there's a line in our series where Billy says to Tammy, if I tell you to sing three blind mice, you tell me what key you your only response is right. what key. And actually, that's something Tammy said. Oh, really? Yeah, because it also gets to a point of like for her, Billy Sherrill was he saved her. I mean, right. we're talking about someone who really in He's, her mind. So she was like, there's nothing wrong that that man can do. Yeah. And so there, there really was a sense that these all these people were around her and George Jones and they could see what they were going through, yeah. and they would write music that mirrored what their friends were experiencing. Right. And then they would have their friends slash the artists sing them, and they would be these huge hits. Right. But then every time you're performing, they're performing it. It's just like opening up wounds over yeah. and over again. But I, I, I mean, yeah. I love that kind of art. Sure. <laughs> That's why I think you listen to "He Stopped Loving Her Today" or you, you know, you listen to some of these songs. And it's like, you can't not cry when you listen. To that oh song. my god, I love that song. It's so funny. I heard a story about George Jones about how he used to close with that song, mm. and and there was a period there where this is some guy told me his dad told him this that uh, depending on how drunk he was, 
um, like when he played that song, it, mm-hmm. that determined the length of the show. Oh, like, wow. So like, then when that song came on, you were like, okay, like, this. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had a little thing. And we kind of alluded it to it with yeah. Stand By Your Man. She had, especially towards the end, she had hand signals behind her that uh, would let the oh, band yeah. know if she, but we use it for something else, but right. in real life, it would let them know if she was going to hit the notes in Stand By Your Man. And if she wasn't, the the backup singers would have to do it and she would go underneath Because of her strength or she didn't? Yeah, because she was, and also, I, I mean, YouTube's an amazing tool when you're yeah. preparing for something. Yeah. Because I look at original, like when she first started singing Stand By Your Man, yeah. it felt so kind of like, Whoa, like right, cut, again, big, cuts yeah, through you, yeah. and then you see her all of a sudden as it evolved. Yeah, it's almost became like a performance act where she'd go into the audience and she'd sit on laps and right. she'd give kisses, sure. and it wasn't really telling a story anymore. It was like connecting to the audience, so it didn't really, in some sense, it didn't mean anything yeah, yeah, at yeah, a certain yeah. point to her. But it gave the fans what they wanted. Exactly, and she was sort of hyper, and she knew she yeah, knew what that yeah, was. Yeah. But. Uh, Okay, so you were just on stage re- like a couple weeks ago? I, I mean, no. Saturday night was my closing night. Saturday How? night was the closing night. Sunday night was the Tonys. Monday morning at 7.30, I was flying to L.A. because my best friends who had worked on this film for like four years, they had their premiere. What day is today? It's uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. So that was two days ago. So I went to their premiere to support them. And what then, was that? Uh, the Flash. Oh, yeah? You saw that? Yeah, yeah. So, How was it? Good. Really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I was in Barbara Muschietti and Andy Muschietti. I was in their very first film they ever did, and I was in It too. Uh-huh. Um, so we, uh, we've, I'm in two of, of four of their films. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, they're like, I mean, yeah, their I just, family. I just saw that kid Ezra uh, mm. Miller play a young Dali. Oh, in wow. this new Dolly Land movie with Ben Kingsley. Okay. As oh, the ben old Kins- Sir Ben. Sir Ben. <laughs> Tomorrow I'm talking to Sir Ben. You are? Yeah. You know what? Here, I'll tell you a story about yeah. Sir Ben. I was heading to go do Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. And I saw him, I think it was at the airport. And I said I was going to Shandigar, India. And he says, okay, let me. And he gave me uh, a list of things to do. He said, when you go to India, take your toothbrush and put it in the water and brush your teeth with it. And then he said, drink whiskey every day. Like all of these things and to not get sick. Really? And I did not get sick in India. Really? And you did it? I did. I did everything he told me to do. And I did, I was one of the only people who did not get sick. When did you, why'd you go to India? Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, you shot that there? Yeah, Shandigar, India. And oh, then, for Pakistan? Yeah. Because uh-huh. it was, it was I think, a three-hour drive from right. the border. Yeah. And you didn't get sick? I did not Everyone get sick. Everyone else got sick. Yeah, Sir Ben, man. Wow. <laughs> So you did what was it? Not the cherry orchard. The what'd you just do? The, a doll's house. A doll's house. Yeah, but I did also the cherry orchard like fifteen years ago. because like, I'm not a huge theater ago. guy, but like so Ibsen. Like, is there a specific way to do that? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I mean, like those, like, like doesn't he write in a certain way that requires? A, 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 isn't there something? uniquely Ibsen-y about something that requires a well, certain type of Yeah, it was written approach. 150 years ago. Okay. Um, but we, but it's, because it was written in another language and, you know, we have, it's adapted by Amy Herzog and she's the first woman to adapt it for Broadway, uh-huh. which I find really interesting because it's one of the most um, famous feminist pieces of literature. I mean, the fact that 150 years ago, Ibsen wrote about a woman leaving her husband, right. and it, it and it, the door slam at the end. They say it like um, it was the door slam echoed around the world. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was. It's been fascinating to have her kind of look at it, and and it's our version was like it's it's a doll's house, but she modernized the language a bit. Wow. So that's interesting. Mm. 
that I guess you can round out the characters in a certain way with if with a translation. Absolutely. Like she may, uh, what I loved what she did is, you know, usually when I've seen a doll ha- yeah. doll's house, it's like the character of Nora is this beautiful victim and is put yeah. upon about all these men in her life and um and Torvald is this brute, her husband. And in Amy's version, Nora participates in holding up the system that oppresses her. So she's like helps create Torvald by telling him he's great at everything. Right. And, you know, and she does this little bird baby voice for him, you know, because he likes it. Uh-huh. You know, it's like to make him feel more like the man. Like she's participating. She kind of changes who she was for each person around her to try to make them like her. Right. And then all of a sudden she's just like, this is bullshit <laughs> i'm not doing this anymore i don't know who i am but i gotta go figure it out right and i and and torvald in amy's version also he's not just this brute he's this deeply insecure um man who feels like he's doing his best to try to be you know the leader in some quote-unquote leader of this house the yeah. man of the house and and in reality, would be much happier if, if there was equality between the two and he didn't have to carry everything on his shoulders. Oh, interesting. So it's like it's thematic, these insecure men. Yeah, I think so, honestly. <laughs> I think sometimes it's like the the dogs usually that bite you are the ones that are scared. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So, all right. So you grew up in California, right? Yeah, Northern California. Where? Uh, Sacramento, Auburn, Sacramento. all around. Arden Fair Mall. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> do they still have malls? <laughs> I mean, when I did, actually, when I did the Eyes of Tammy Faye, that's what I would do every weekend is I'd go to the mall and really? walk around. Yeah, because that's what she did. A so, dead mall somewhere? But no, actually, in, in um, where did we shoot that? North Carolina, Charlotte. In um, that, that mall was bustling. Yeah? Yeah, that was actually fun. I was like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. yeah I like to, them all. I used to do comedy in SAC uh, at the at the punchline. Oh, okay. That was in that, str- it was in a mall next to a mattress store, and they put <laughs> us up <laughs> across the street from the Arden Fair Mall. Oh, wow. So we'd go wander around. I think the Arden Fair Mall was the fancy mall. Was it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, there was like, I'm trying to remember, there was three malls growing up, yeah. and Arden Fair was the one that had the expensive stores. Oh, that in was it. Yeah. So you were put up at the expensive mall. Yeah, oh, good. Store. Near that. Near, <laughs> the, the mattress store was just a mattress store, but the mall, maybe it was fancy. Maybe there was a movie theater there, I think, maybe. Oh, maybe. So, like Sacramento. Sacramento. Do you yeah, go I, there? Not much more. I, I mean, I don't have family there anymore, um, but I worked at Sacramento Theater Company. I did Christmas Carol there for a few years. I went to see the um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat when I was like seven. My grandma took me there. Seven. At Music Circus. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. A, was that Sac the life? B, what was it? B Street Pl- Theater? Yeah. Is it theater there? Was that the life-changing moment? Yeah, that's when I was like, oh, this is what I am. It was yeah. not sense of like, oh, I want to do that when I get older. I was like, this is what I am. And then I just started to harass my mom, begging her to take me to L.A. to audition for commercials. Did she? <laughs> no, she never did. What What did your mom do? Uh, gosh, she did a lot of things. She was a real estate agent. She was a bartender. Uh, yeah. Real estate agent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The ladies do that sometimes. <laughs> exactly. My, mo- <laughs> my mother did it for a while, but she was too nice. Oh. She couldn't move any places. Right. <laughs> she was like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't buy this place. Just, it's not right for you. <laughs> yeah, just not confident enough. <laughs> and she, uh, and she, or she bartended too? Yeah. And what about your dad? Uh, I didn't grow, I didn't grow up with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot, I was raised by single moms. Oh yeah. I have a stepdad who's a fireman. Um, How was that? 
great. He's amazing. Um, I ended up, I, I asked him when I was, he helped me move to college and, and I asked him, I was like, hey, can I call you dad from now on? He's like, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a scene from a movie. <laughs> but how long have you been in your life at that point? That's a lot. I think we met the summer of my eighth grade year. So like, oh, you didn't call him dad? School, what did you call him by his name? Mike. Mike? Yeah, because he was my stepdad. But you didn't know how long he'd be around either, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a lot of stepdads. You did? So I was like, hey, but once, you know, I got to the point of like, yeah, I really like you. Hey, can I call you dad? <laughs> when you're going to college. <laughs> I know. I was like, of course he cried. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> he'd hung in there. He'd he earned did, it. He did. He <laughs> did. Mm, I love him. Is he still around? Oh, yeah. In fact, we're all going on vacation together. They're still together? Uh, <laughs> so so I guess you could relate, like, on some level, uh, your mom and Tammy. Um, yes. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And how's your mom doing? Great. Um, she's now retired. Um, she's a great grandma. Uh, not a great grandma. She oh, is oh, a great grandmother. Comma, grandmother. Oh, to your kids. Yeah. yeah. And, well, that's nice. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. We're all actually go- about to go on a, a vacation together, so it'll be really fun with your your kids and your mom and my everybody. kids, my mom, my husband's family, my Mike? friends, Mike, Mike too, my, your stepdad, Mike. Yes, he's coming. Really? Yeah, yeah. We're all going going together. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. why I was like, uh, because I don't quite know where they're at. Yeah, it's just a. I'd stay out of it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not getting involved, and, and so I don't want to out anything on the show. <laughs> I get it. It's you. just a confu I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know mind, how to your, mind, mind your own business. You never <laughs> sometimes when you get to a certain age and you, you, the relationship with your parents change yeah. and you can actually be sort of surprised, sort of like what? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't need to know everything. I right. don't need to be yeah. But like so single mom situation, that was so it was kind of lean. Very yeah. lean. Very lean. Yeah. yeah. It was um yeah, there were a lot of times where yeah, I mean, my mom really, really worked hard. There were three of us kids, but I remember, I remember it being in—I don't know if it was high school or junior high. Someone was talking about this play, *Curse of the Starving Cast*. Uh, Glass, the Sam Shepard play. Yeah, the Sam Shepard play. Yeah, and um, and she was taught. The teacher was talking about like how the son in the play would go and look at the refrigerator. It was in the stage direction. He'd yeah. open the refrigerator and look inside and just stare, and even though there was nothing in there. Yeah, and I was like. That was the first time I realized, I was like, oh, my God, that's us. Oh, yeah. Because I did that. I would constantly go to the fridge and open the fridge, even though I knew there was nothing in there. Yeah. But it was the first time I was sitting in school when she was talking about that, and I was like, that's our situation. Oh, my gosh, we're different. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah you're part of a dark tragedy play, kind of. I like. know. I mean, we weren't, I, we weren't all of the tragedy of that play, but it was yeah. the first time I realized, like, wow, I mean, she's working really hard to get us fed, but you know, there are other Sometimes, kids that you go to their house and they have like yeah, the, snacks. Yeah, the fridge is full of food. <laughs> like, holy it. Moses. Fun snacks. <laughs> no fun. <laughs> but what, so what, how was the school experience? I mean, did, when did you start acting in, in high I, school? Well, no, I, I started as soon as it was an elective. Yeah. You know, because when you're in elementary school, even though I knew I wanted to do it, I was never, I don't know, I wasn't like the best student. I was a bit, um, Probably obnoxious. Did you know. have friends? Yeah, I was kind of nerdy. And uh, yeah. yeah, I had like one time I, you know, they permed my hair and I looked like Annie. And then we cut it off and I had like really short hair, red hair. And yeah. like I was just kind of, I mean, I remember 
it's it's so like I look back, I'm like, oh, like what a sweet like little clueless person. Mm. I remember like sitting in the cafeteria and like eating orange peels and banana peels because it made people notice me. Like in the school, like the other kids, they'd be like, oh, my God, look at her. Like, I know it's terrible. I just wanted some weird attention. I just wanted like people to notice me, which is so. For being a weirdo? For being a weirdo. But at least they, they, then I was existing. I was something. You were like the the weird star. You were the the (laughs) one who ate banana peels. I know, because then they could like go like, wow, she's what, you know. I bet you there's people in the world that don't really remember uh, or don't really associate that with you, but remember some girl from junior high that ate banana peels, or was that younger? Definitely, it was younger than junior high, because junior high is when I started to get attention for. Because I remember there was a guy that picked his nose with a crochet needle. Oh my god! I thank God I never did that. <laughs> well, I mean, thank but, God. But it's like one of those things. It's weird. Yeah. So eating banana peels would be right up there with some someone somewhere said there used to be this girl. And yeah, that was you. That was me. Uh, but what I would do too is I the Oscar-winning <laughs> banana peel eater. <laughs> it probably was terrible. I just remember sitting in the cafeteria, and everyone's going, "Oh my god, look what, what she's it? doing!" Oh. Um, but yeah, but then in um, junior high, uh, uh, theater was an elective. You could choose like you know electives, and so yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'll cho- choose the drama class," and I got a lot of immediate there was an immediate sense of oh i'm good at this because yeah. i always felt like i wanted to do it i never had the opportunity in elementary school because you really needed to be the one you don't audition you just have to have good grades and then i think i was like holding up like prop you know sure I mean, but in stuff. elementary school you can't what can you really do yeah right you want to be on stage and be cute but I, and, and get laughs or whatever exactly you have no control over it no but usually the kids like if we're doing the wizard of oz or whatever yeah like i wasn't getting dorothy or any right. of those parts sure. you know i was yeah. like holding up you know yeah. the castle why weren't you getting dorothy because <laughs> i wasn't uh, they was those parts would always go to the kids who were well behaved and who oh, got good grades okay but then when it became an elective and it was like okay now we're working on monologues oh, yeah. or we're doing scene work and there was an immediate sense of like oh i don't have to eat banana peels right like yeah. this now all of a sudden i'm like with my friend these are they're everyone in this room is as weird as i am and right. we don't have like it does like we don't have to be weird on purpose exactly. to get attention. Exactly, we could just like yeah. you know create yeah. art and like do stuff together. Sure. And I won like a, some competition this in like, junior high. Yeah, and I still have a sweet trophy. I wasn't even expecting it. There was like we had to do these monologues, and then the teacher said, "There's this competition," and I think because mm. we were we were the, the state capital, everyone yeah. came to Sacramento for it. Yeah, it was off campus, and I remember being there. I did the monologue, and I'm like, I think it was called Please God, I'm Only 17. Yeah. And it was about a girl who was driving the car, and she was driving unsafe, and then she died. And she's, yeah. like, begging God to let her live again. And I was, like, oh, crying. Wow. I was, like, doing this whole thing. And then when they called the winners, I won the trophy wow. for, like, the best. So and, you were able to cry? Yeah. I was always able to kind of, like, just— Because I was wondering about that one before I talked to you. Like, there, there seems to be— like even with these characters, obviously it's part of acting, but but like it feels like that you you're able to maybe experience a vulnerability in these characters that you that you didn't or weren't able to when as just a person. I wonder if it's and I've met. I think Mike Shannon might be like this a little bit. Yeah. I think there's a sensitivity. It's mm. like a ultra sensitivity because also he's I he's more vocal about this um, in terms of like when he's in an area where there's loud. There's like a lot of people talking yeah, or touching yeah, yeah. at him. He starts to kind of panic a bit. Right. But I have difficulty sometimes being 
in like even a concert where there's a lot of energy or sound or yeah. I just feel um, kind of like I don't have the protective layer. Okay, right, right. So there's uh, an open sensitivity that. Yeah. yeah. So I can then just like sometimes when little kids are playing, they yeah. believe it's real what's right, happening. Right. I can sometimes people ask me, especially Doll's House, because it was so emotional. It's like an hour every show. I was crying and like doing this whole thing, and they would say you know, how do you do that? What do you think about? And I'm always like, I think about what's happening. Yeah. And I just think about it and then I feel like it's happening to me. Right. And I don't have to go, oh, let me go into my sense memory or right, let me right. use my substitution. You can or, get present with the situation. I mean, it's like a little kid. There's an amazing audition for E.T. where it's the lead actor. I forgot his name. The, who's Elliot. The, Elliot. The kid yeah. auditioning for Elliot and you hear Steven Spielberg's voice in the back. He's not on camera, but you hear him at the audition yeah, and they say okay we're going to do some improv with you and he's this little kid and they say okay and the guy starts saying we're going to take your alien away and then, you know and then all of a sudden this kid starts saying no he's mine you can't take him I love him and he like starts crying and mm -hmm. like really just like breaks your heart and then you could hear the adults in the room like what just happened and you hear Steven Spielberg go you got the part kid <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. It's like I could do an improv or something and then I'll just believe it's happening and then whatever happens in my body, I allow it to happen. So that's the thing that you always had. Always. I think it's just a sensitivity. So, right. And, and But the, the ability to be present. Yes, and also not allowing the world to close me up. Huh. That's, a, that's, I think, a big, big thing because I think there's a lot of things that happen in this world where we build walls to try to protect ourselves, and I'm quite vulnerable. And I can be in situations where I can be ta talking sometimes or speech or, you know, someone could come over to t tell me something and then I could get emotional when I don't want to. Yeah. So I think it's that you, do, you don't allow the world to close you. Yeah, but how do you like? I mean, but that because I'm just like I have a sensitivity too. Like, but mm -hmm. sometimes, but I I would include smell in yes. the list. Oh, com I can walk into a house. Here's I have a my husband always says this about yeah. me. I can walk into the house and immediately be like an animal went to the bathroom in the house. I can smell <laughs> any. I can sm and it makes me. He got my husband bought a compost machine. Yeah, and it almost caused a, a divorce. Yeah, because every time I walked into the house, I was like, "It smells horrendous in yeah. this house. I can't live here." I'm yeah. I'm so sensitive to that as well. You yeah. know, I had to switch treadmills today because, because the smell. Someone got on the treadmill next to me. I just cannot take. Yes other people's cleaning products. Even if I'm hiking mm -mm -mm. and like someone's hiking down the hill and I'm like, why are you showering before you hike? Yeah, yeah, why yeah. do I smell your soap? And mm -mm -mm -mm. I, I, I try not to get resentful. <laughs> I, and I, I was concerned this morning because I had sort of a patchouli accident. And I'm like, she's going to think I'm like some sort of weird stone no, person. No. <laughs> I will say though, the second I sat down at yeah. the bike and I see a, 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 hammer. a, a, hammer, a hammer in front of me and, yeah. a, and a knife, I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I, I just want you to feel safe over there. Exactly. Like, you know, those are your Options. So if you say something inappropriate, I could yeah. just. <laughs> but but so that sensitivity though, I mean, how do you, you so instinctively, you know, you can engage it when you're acting, but like how you, you it's hard to make choices not to get crushed by the world. I mean, that's something instinctual, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, because like you seem to have like you know weathered quite a storm as yeah. as a child. So I imagine you were put into 
positions that you were probably too young to be put in. Yes. So, but I I never, maybe because I was always interested in storytelling, mm. I had a, a way to stay open and, and, ex- well, sure, and let it sure. go through but me. You could make, but you could make, uh, you, you could choose to open it. Yes. Right. But also, I mean, I tell maybe you, Maybe you like, feel safer on stage. Uh, I don't know if I feel, maybe, I mean, maybe because I feel like I can just be, I don't have to worry about how people are going to judge me. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Like, or, or coming in. Yeah. You know, like there's boundaries. Yes. However, yeah. like when I, like I went to, for example, I went yeah. to uh, Kiev uh, last, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And it was pretty, in, it was a pretty intense situation. And I was in a children's hospital and I remember like Why? even before that, just, I have friends who are uh, Ukrainian. They okay. asked me to go. Okay. And I was like, yes, yeah. you know, I'll do whatever I can to, but I literally flew and like traveled forever with Recently? a friend of mine uh, last like summer. Like with the war going? La- yes. Yeah. Okay. It, was, okay. it was, it was pretty intense. Yeah. And, and I knew, and I was, bring, I like had like a box of teddy bears with me uh-huh. and I went to this hospital and I was, ta- and I remember like before I went in, I was like, do not cry. Like, you know, when you go in and see these kids, don't cry. Don't allow. And I really had to, I have to like almost like switch something on. So I know when I, it's not that I'm closing myself off to the world, right. but it's like I have to protect other people around me. And if I'm too open around these kids, yeah. I don't want to freak someone out. I don't right. want them to be like, why is she making this about her? Do you know what I mean? Right. Sure. So I do have, I am aware of how I move through the world, but I can also get surprised sometimes where I don't have that moment of like, okay, don't, you know, don't allow this to affect me too deeply. Okay. Well, but, but on some level, the, those decisions that you make, like even around going to that hospital are, are that's sort of acting in a way. It's acting and, well, yes, if acting for you is, which I think that's what I love about acting because I think it's for me, it's, yeah. it's about the other person. Okay. Because if it's about like, let me be open to you, yeah. let me take you in. Right. But then you also have to be careful of, I need to take, you know, when I was at the, I need to take care of you. Right. So I'm not just going to be here and just be this open heart that's like, yeah, yeah, then yeah, like yeah. sobbing because I feel sad yeah. for your situation. Right. I, you know, how am I going to, my Goal sure. now is to protect yeah. you, and also their kids. So you. you oh know. my God! I can't. I mean, can you imagine? So yeah, there's. How'd a that sense, go ultimately? I mean, it was a beautiful experience, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I, I mean, it's. Why the fuck do we do this to each other? I don't understand. Like the like the violence and wars and fighting all like like all this. I have trouble sometimes. Reading the news when you talk about having the world crush you, I have trouble yeah. sometimes even just... Every day. Yeah. You just open your phone and yeah. you're like, oh, fuck. I can't. Is there a setting on my phone that could make this better news? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will... And sometimes I'll yeah. avoid it until I feel... You know, if I feel like today's not the day to read the news. I've had to. I mean, yeah. I had to. Like, you know, there as as upset as I was about Rachel Maddow stopping her show, it was like maybe best for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> because you're like, I need a moment to yeah, just. Yeah, I can't stay home. in the narrative every day. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for the information, but I can't. There's yeah. no, it's relentless. Relentless. No, no, no. I know. And then, so because you're a sensitive person, you don't have the like. It'll affect you yeah. more than it might affect someone else because it it goes in. But yeah, but for me, like you know, uh, like I do comedy, and like you know, I'm kind of an aggravated guy, and mm-hmm. I, I hyper. You know, I get. I was just talking about it on the podcast today for tomorrow. 
the introduction about how like I like I had this realization that I might be addicted to like I worry and I panic and I'm full of dread. Do you have anxiety? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But like some, there was some element to that where I realized like because a lot of worry is is a waste of time. Oh, completely. But but the thing is is that if what you're worrying about doesn't you know manifest, there's a tremendous relief there. And I realized like I think oh, I'm just a re- I'm a relief addict. When like, something I'm, finally goes well, you're like, oh. well, yeah. Well, th- that's catastrophic yeah. thinking. If you think the worst and it doesn't happen, it's fine. But I worry about little shit, and it's like, like what? whatever. Like you know, if uh, like what was I worrying about? Uh, the other day, I worry about my cats unnecessarily. I don't have kids, but I can worry about it's sort of OCD ish uh, in, in a way. Like, I could worry about how this was going to go. Mm-hmm, like, I, mm-hmm. I just, I'm driven by dread. But when it doesn't happen, it's sort of like, oh, that was great. <laughs> so, but that's what you're working towards. Like, can I have that without the panic, dread, and, and, and worry? But isn't that in some sense also yeah, like huh. why people go on roller coasters? Sure. It's why people do drugs. Exactly. It's, why, it's, a, it's, it's all about that fleeting relief. Yeah. The sense of like, I lived through it. Yeah, I, I sure. was able to yeah. get to the other side. But with roller coasters, you do get the, the, the terror of the roller coaster, <laughs> that moment where you're dropping, but then you're like, I can handle this and yeah. you kind of enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it releases, uh, doesn't it release something in your... Everything does. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you win the award that for the, you know, for the monologue in junior high. Okay. And and you put, is that next to the Oscar? In, or... It's actually, um, well, nothing's because we're in the process of um, renovating and moving and stuff. So nothing's um, done, but yes, it will absolutely be right next to the Oscar when I'm done. <laughs> renovating, the man. full arc. Renov- where are you, in New York? Yeah. Wow. Have you ever experienced like a full... I can't do it. I'll leave the house before I do that. It's... I can't. I mean, I couldn't. That's why I moved uh, no into joke. this house. Because I'm like, how long is that going to take? And I can't... My anxiety won't allow it. Four years. Come on. Four years. It better be fucking amazing. I mean, literally, uh, it's and everyone says this. It'll, it'll be twice as much and twice yeah. as long. I mean, I just don't understand how it's actually allowed to be this way. I don't understand how <laughs> you can say, "Okay, I will buy this bill of goods for yeah. this much money." Yeah, and then they tear something apart, and then they go, "Oh, by the way, it's four times sure. as much." What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> I, I just don't understand. I was like, I remember talking to someone. I was like, how is this allowed? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. And everyone just says, like, that's how it works. Is it almost done? No. Oh. <laughs> but wait, how do you become such a uh, an amazing actress? So after junior high, what do you do? I went, uh, went to high school. I um, did a lot of plays in high school. Uh, then I went to Juilliard. I mean, I, I was work. I was a high school dropout, actually. Yeah. And you didn't finish? No, I didn't. But I was I wasn't, you know, um I I, I wasn't um doing I wasn't dropping out to do drugs or drink or anything. Um I was actually not going to school to read Shakespeare. And I, I failed PE twice. I mean I literally could have cared less. How were you with languages? Uh not great. Yeah. Not great. Um but I and then so I started working in regional didn't, theater. Didn't, didn't it drive you crazy not to graduate high school? Well, I went back and graduated. When? I got an adult diploma when I decided I wanted to go to Juilliard. Oh. Because you needed to be a high school graduate. So you didn't, so after high school, that it was just, would you do plays or work or? Yeah, I worked at a restaurant. I worked at the Lucky Cafe, which is a greasy spoon, mm. you know, greasy diner. Mm-hmm. And I worked at River City Cafe in Sacramento. And yeah, you're in Sacramento a long yeah, time. Yeah. But then I, I was fortunate to work at like Sacramento Theater Company. Um, 
I did I played Juliet at Theater Works um in which is in like Palo Alto I think uh-huh. and the guy who was playing Romeo had just been accepted to Juilliard the Juilliard school and I was like wait a minute he's I don't know that he's that much better than me maybe I could go yeah it's interesting but like the idea of art though artist theater like because like I think in any town you're in that has any theater Mm-hmm. That when you go, even if it's bad, there's a humanity to it. Completely. And you can feel it immediately. Even if it's bad, the humanity is that you're seeing is unintentional. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because, because they're trying. They're trying. And sometimes that's even more fun to watch. It is. I mean, but, they write plays and movies about that. But art as that kind of human experience, like not just standing in front of a painting or something mm-hmm. that's overwrought, but theater in particular, it's it's there's a a a, a, a vitality to it, mm. no matter what. Well, it's movable. Yeah, it's moment by moment. And depending. it's raw. It's vulnerable. It's like exactly it's, like even if they're trying not to be. Yeah, I mean, there could be a dog that starts barking in the middle of the show. Sure. Someone could forget they're lying. The light doesn't work. Oh yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it, and all of a sudden, then you're like, you're like, I have no idea what this experience of life, yeah, how it's going to open to me, and that's what theater is. Like I heard a story that. Uh, on stage, someone had to take this piece of paper, and they, it was like this special contract, whatever. Yeah. And it accidentally, in their hand, it flew into the audience, and they went and you know to try to get it from the audience member, and they just pretended they didn't have it. Oh my god! So then they're on stage, they're like, okay, let me just try to create something new. Has it happened to you, like that kind of shit, in a big way? Uh, something falling into the audience, or just like you know, like I know that my when... dog came on stage once. Oh, that's good. About like ten years ago. Yeah. He's got three legs. And I and he like that's be- a scene stealer. Oh my god, there was no way it was. And also, he like <laughs> jingles when he walks because he hops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, could yeah. just as I was acting, I heard him jingling. <laughs> it was like dunga 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 because he hops. Where like, was this? It was on Broadway. <laughs> oh my god, he's yeah, just backstage acting with David Strathairn in oh, a wow. very dramatic scene, and <laughs> someone opened my dressing room door. <laughs> And it was jinga jing, and I was like, "Oh no, he's coming this way. He's coming this way. He's gonna be on stage soon." Jinga jinga jing, and then it just stops. And I hear the audience gasp, and I'm like, "He's right next to me." <laughs> so I say a dramatic. I don't look down. I just I look at David. I yeah. say a line, and I start walking off the stage. And I'm in like a full period costume yeah. with like a hoop you remember skirt. The play? It was the heiress. Okay, yeah. So it's like you know a, yeah. a long time ago. And then I hear then I hear the jinga jinga jing as I'm walking off stage. And I pick him up and I hand him to someone. I say, put him in my dressing room. And then I go back on stage and I like finish the line. And David's face was so sweet. It was like, mm-hmm. And I, I carried him out for curtain call. Oh, good. <laughs> so everybody had a good experience. Yeah. I mean, they were excited. Yeah. I mean, the audience, when something like that happens, for the actor, yeah. you're like, this is the worst experience of my life. But the audience is like, I was there for yeah, that. Yeah, for the dog. But okay, so how do you get into Juilliard? I auditioned. I mean, I was in San Francisco, or I I drove to San Francisco to audition. It was like you had to have two monologues, a contemporary and a dramatic. And I I did uh, Juliet's Gallop Apace, which is basically this monologue. It's like, you know, hurry up, son, and set, because then the moon will rise. And I've just married Romeo. He'll, you know— Climb into my window and we're gonna have sex. Yeah, like that's what the monologue yeah. is, and um, and it's written very. The the language is it like builds it like I mean it's quite in my mind sexual, yeah. and you never really see it yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, because it's like 
um, come Romeo, come night, come thou day and yeah, night. You know, right. it's like, it's like, it's quite. A lot of coming. Yeah, lots of coming. <laughs> and so I performed it like that. Yeah. And I remember that the, <laughs> the teachers, it was, they were, it was like John Sticks, Michael Kahn and uh, Liz Smith, who, you know, all of another generation sitting behind a table. Uh, it was like the scene in Flashdance, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do the monologue and I remember, and I'm like lying on the floor. And I remember Michael Kahn just kind of looks at me and smiles and he goes, did you have fun, Jessica? And I was like, yeah, I did. He's like, okay, thank you. And I was like, that's it? All right. So I left and I was like, they either hate me because I like yeah. really like did something crazy or that was great. And yeah. then I got a callback and I came in for the callback and they didn't have me do anything else. They just interviewed me. They're like, what do you know about New York? What do you know about the school? Yeah. I think they were like, this chick is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and right. Maybe crazy is a little good for acting. <laughs> maybe, yeah. I mean, it's like, but what did Robin Williams have to do with it? He, uh, so I got a scholarship. So I, my first two years, um, and you know, it's expensive to live sure. in, in, yeah. in New York and go to school. So I had a ton of loans. Um, you know, the Sally May, whatever, student loans yeah. and grants and all that stuff. And then my final two years, I got the Robin Williams scholarship. So he would give a scholarship um, to a student yeah. in need and then also that the, the teachers would recommend and and that paid for everything. My All my schooling, my apartment, flying home for Christmas. It, how, it, did you, how did you, how did they decide on you? You don't I don't know. know. I mean, you applied I, for it, or how's that? It's work? just no, because it's it, it's they give it to a, a third year student, and it's the for the third and fourth year, and it happens at the end of the second year. I mean, the end of my second year, I played Arcadena in the Seagull, and was it was you were you crazy? Because the people I've talked to from Julia, Tim Blake Nelson, like there's a very competitive, crazy shit, and you don't know who's going to get cut or why or. Yeah, I mean, I was more when you talk when you talked about anxiety and worrying. My first year, I was terrified because I'm the first person in my family to go to college. It was so expensive to go to that school. I'd taken out so many loans, and you know. And at that point, this is with the firemen and your mom. Yeah, yeah, and which, but also, there's no way to be you able to afford all of there? this. Yeah. I, I had I had two sisters and two brothers younger than me. Oh my god! And um. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense, and then um, I just thought like if they cut me from this program, all this money is down the tube. So first year I was very I'd like would like mm. I'd like TMJ. I was so scared yeah. that that was going to happen, and then I started to kind of calm down my second year. Yeah, yeah. And then, you, but did you ever uh, did you ever meet Robin? I have the, the saddest thing is I, you know, I wrote him letters to thank him every year. And then I was living in L.A., you know, right in the kind of the beginning, got out of school and I was talking to, to someone about it. I was like at a director's meeting at like the Fred Siegel Cafe or something, yeah. you know, restaurant. Yeah. And we're ta he was asking me this story about the Robin Williams scholarship and all this stuff. And then as we're talking, Robin Williams comes into the restaurants and sits down at a table next to me with other people. Yeah. And they'd already ordered food. He sits down and starts eating. And I'm yeah. like, oh, my God. And he says, you have to go over and talk to him. And I said, okay, okay, I will. I'm going to wait till he's done yeah. with his meal. Right. Because I don't want to be rude. And then before the server came to grab the dishes, he stood up and kind of ran out. So I think he must have been late for something or whatever. I jumped up to kind of chase him out of the restaurant. And I was like, no, I don't want, that's crazy. I got to like, I don't, that feels inappropriate. Mm, no. It's such a regret. Oh, I bet. Because that was the only chance really I had to meet him. And and so now I tell people, I was like, listen, if you, if anyone ever sees me and they want to say hi. Yeah. 
do it. Yeah. You know, like it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe like wait till I'm done eating. If I'm running out of a restaurant, you can run with me. Sure. Like the, a, a week ago, I was crossing the street in New York and I was in a hurry and someone was like, oh my God, just, I was like, walk with me. And so we like walked for 10 blocks, you sure. know, having a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, all, you know, just come over and say hi, because that's a huge regret that I have that, that sure. I didn't get the chance to think of in person. Well, yeah, he was a sweet guy. But, but but the whole that policy of saying hi, it's like you might get some weirdos. But you know, I mean, I've 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 I mean, I was the weirdo with the banana peel, so <laughs> it's going to take a lot to to weird me out. So after Juilliard, you just stayed in New York. I got a deal. So uh, we were the first class to do an LA showcase. Who was in your class? Anyone we know? Uh, Michael Yuri. Did you ever watch Ugly Betty? He's, yeah, he's what an actor from Ugly Betty. Uh, Jess Weixler. Did you see that movie Teeth? No. It's about vagina dentata. Oh, I think I heard about it. I don't, yeah, I think she's I'd the lead actress of that. Yeah. She's my best friend. So yeah, there's a lot of I've worked with a lot of uh, there's a lot of people, maybe three or four that are still working. That's great. Yeah, but I was there with Anthony Mackie was there. Oscar Isaac was there. Oh, so you know Oscar that long? Oh yeah, Oscar and I've known each other for like twenty years. So when you work with him, it's like oh yeah, you yeah. did stuff with him in college. Well, the crazy thing is we never worked together in college. However. My boyfriend in college was his best friend. Oh, wow. So I got to know Oscar, which is the amazing way for a woman, I guess, to become friends with a man. It's like there never was anything like, oh, are we going to date? Are yeah, we going to? Like right. we never had or like let's make out one night. We never had that because my boyfriend was his best friend. Right. So it was always just like he was like a brother, you know. And I, right. But I also like heard all the bad behavior. Sure. I saw all the bad behavior. Well, yeah, you got the, you know, like you can't tell Oscar I told you this, but. Yeah, or Oscar would just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, I just saw it all. And so we became like really close. And then when we did Scenes from a Marriage, that was awkward because it was like oh we had oh, to kiss wow. in this oh yeah yeah we never kissed before it was like so weird was it yeah it was it was like in the beginning i was like i don't know how this is gonna work and then your pals fun. yeah that's hilarious yeah but then my ex-boyfriend who i don't talk to anymore starts all of a sudden texting me and texting <laughs> oscar <laughs> Really? Yeah, we were working together. So, like, he a, freak a boyfriend out. from that long ago, you don't talk to anyone. That must no. have really went badly. <laughs> yeah, it went terribly. Oh my god. Oh yeah, not not guys, a good relationship. But that me. that most violent year, that movie you did with him. Oh, we did kiss in that. Sorry, we kissed in that. See, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were like. But it was kind. Of, but those characters were kind of weirdly cold. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, we did have a scene though. I remember we have a scene in that movie where we kiss in in the bathroom, <laughs> and I remember thinking that moment because. We had our, a kiss, and I remember saying to him, you're a good kisser, Oscar. Which is <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, is that a weird thing to say? It's probably weird. Um, but so, yeah. But I completely forgot. Yes, we did kiss in that movie before Scenes from America. That movie is a weird movie. Yes. It's very much like a throwback to like a Sidney Lumet film. Or, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I kept waiting for something. I, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, mm-hmm. but it kind of just moves along Mm -hmm. and it was one of those movies that after I was done with them like did I not get that movie (laughs) you're like where's all the violence (laughs) (laughs) it's the most violent year I need to see the violence yeah (laughs) I love that film though I love love the way it looked I love the characters like I don't know I don't know if I was expecting violence but it's an odd Mm. sort of the whole it's one of those movies where I'm like why would somebody write this movie Mm-mm-mm-mm. In the sense of like that guy was like, why that job? Why that? Like, what was that? I think it's a. I think this director is very interested in American culture and capitalism, um, because he did Margin Call. Okay. Uh, I think his dad works in finance. He kind of grew up in that oh, world. Yeah. 
Um, and so that film, especially Oscar's character, was an immigrant. Uh-huh. Um, my care, uh, you know, I'm the daughter of some, uh, you right, know, like right. the way things yeah, used yeah. to be. Right. This is how you got to handle that things. Vibe, yeah. He's trying to live an honorable life. Right. Is it possible to do that with American capitalism? And also in that racket, wasn't he in like waste or something? Um, or cement or oil kind of, or like, gasoline. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. very kind of esoteric, strange business. Yeah. But I think it wasn't the heating oil. Okay. But still, that's very interesting. Yeah, you know, like sure. people were stealing the trucks. Yeah, right. That's right. The, yeah. And the mob was sort of involved there. Or no, I wanted the mob to get involved because right. yeah, I was yeah. the daughter of a... Yeah, a And he's like, kid. no, we're going to live honorably. And then at the end of the film, you're like, hmm, I think he's he's realizing that's not the way he can, he can survive in it. this industry. Yeah. And then like it was weird because he showed up in, uh, in James Gray's movie. Uh, the Armageddon time. Yes, I did. As I Trump's mom, Mary, uh, or sister, aunt, sister. Right. Yeah, Marianne yeah, Trump. Yeah. That's a funny movie. That's, I, I love mean, that film. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. He actually, James Gray, asked me he's to a do character. it. Oh my gosh! Oh, we kind of became friends. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. He said, you know, he's like, it's a, you know, it's a one part, one scene role. Da, da, da. I didn't even read it. I said, I will do it, and I'll do it for free. Like it's because I once I found out it was kind of like based on his childhood yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm all about like I I would love to be a part of something that helps someone process. Tell, yeah, and tell a story that like is deep to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when like I I don't know what your schedule is. You probably got to get out of here. Where do you got to be? You got to do a Q and A. I have no. I probably not until tonight. Oh, but, what's that about SAG? Uh, I think SAG Foundation. Uh huh. <laughs> I think Can you so. Just yeah. Hang out. Someone moderates. I and... think. Yeah, it's Mike Shannon and I. Oh, Mike's going to be there? Yeah, for oh. George and Tammy. So we, we're going, and um, I think Rachel Moore, um, our music producer, which is it's so badass that she's the music producer because you know she spent a lot of time in Nashville. She's worked on a lot of albums. She worked with T-Bone Burnett for a very long time. Oh, yeah. And it's very, you know, it's not often you get to work with a female music producer and supervisor in film and television. It's and we kind of brought her into this. She'd never really done it before. Oh, it's great. Yeah. All that stuff was she great. She did such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, um, well, I mean, it's, well, like, I know you've talked about it publicly a lot. It, there's not, you know, women in general don't show up in these jobs as much as they should. Yeah. I mean, they're not really afforded opportunities. Yeah. You know, I mean, they tend to work side by side or helping, you know, successful yeah. male producer. But for her, you know, T-Bone really supported her in doing this. And he's, he seems like a solid cat. Oh, yeah. He's he's great. Yeah. He just was on. There's this new Dylan thing that he was. Oh, yeah. The 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 re-recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. It is kind of like, yeah. it, and I want to, I always want to resent these guys that keep producing things. <laughs> it's like, enough. We get it. You, <laughs> You're very good at what you do. <laughs> but there are these weird interpretations of his own song. And because he's Bob Dylan, you got to be like, why is he choosing these? What is he, you know, what does this mean at this point in his life? Like <laughs> this weird, mysterious dude. Yeah. But I also like, I, I mean, isn't. Now I don't know if it's changed since it was I was first brought to my attention. Isn't it a situation though where it's kind of like not I mean it's looking at society and this idea of streaming and like this idea of of consumption and that he is it the situation where it's going to be auctioned off it's like one record? 
No, I think yeah, like it was during. I think that there's a documentary alongside of it that he they shot it in, down in like a warehouse in Santa Monica c- during COVID because he couldn't tour, so he right. pulled these guys together. I don't know what where it all goes or why, but I just heard the record and I didn't want to like it because I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, so they played the music in the documentary. Yeah, yeah, I think it's of oh, the wow. playing of the music. I haven't watched it yet. That's interesting. But like he put out that record a, a couple of years ago, and I'm like, he has this 17 minute song on it. <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> it's fine. You know what I mean. But I, I just. But like, I think, and 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 we're gonna have to look this up because uh, I believe T Bone told me a year ago, or mm-hmm. maybe a year and a half ago, that he's doing something right now with Dylan, where there's a record that he's gonna auction it off, and it only record. has and it has a certain amount of plays before it won't play anymore. Oh, so it's like an M- NFT. So yeah, so kind of or or it's like a paint. It's like. You know, the yeah. person who buy like, this is a special thing you have. It's not like it'll live forever. Right. Yeah. But you can't play it. You can only play it, like, 100 times. or oh, 100 times. I don't, I, listen, yeah. I, I should know more about this. It's all right. But... You know, it's not your job. So, <laughs> you sang all the Tammy stuff? Yes. Everything in the show, yeah. Yeah. It, 95% of what's on the show is us singing on set. And then there's also going to be a vinyl, which is not us on set. It's like a more finished version that was done in a studio. And this woman who did the music producing. Yes, Rachel. Yeah, like what was her task, basically? Basically, It was so intense, man. Um, So she was in charge of all of that. So she, we were all together when we did all the studio singing, um, working with the band. All the guys in the series are actual session players from Nashville. Uh, and then what she would do, this is this is beyond what I really thought I ever wanted to do in my life, and I will never do it again. But um, the the mics are hot, so so you get on stage to do this. You have hundreds of extras. You do one take where they're putting the music through everything, so yeah. the extras hear your voice, yeah. vocal, and they right. hear the music. Right. Then for every take from then on. We had an earwig in our ear that played the music, and the only sound in the room was our cold vocal. Wow. Beca- like, so if, like, when you're seeing sure. Stand By Your Man or something, you're like, that's not what I really want to happen. In front <laughs> of people? <laughs> in front of people. And it's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for 10 hours today. I'm sure maybe, well, hopefully we'll get a take yeah, <laughs> that right. is usable. Yeah. But that means also there's going to be a lot of times that, you know, I'm going to like, have egg on my face or you know there's gonna it's embarrassing like just like when you're shooting a scene you're gonna forget lines you're gonna do something so it was it was quite stressful um and the audience was was very sweet and very kind to us but rachel was in charge of all of that yeah she needed to get the clean vocal which meant she couldn't have music with it sure yeah that that element of embarrassment oh is jesus just- <laughs> And that's probably why the kid in junior high that was like, I'm going to embarrass myself. To transcend it. To, yeah. You got, I've got to be willing. There's got to be some sense of, all right, we're going to talk about something. The, 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 there's the Pacino versus De Niro conversation. Okay. Who are you? Well, it's weird. I like them for two different reasons. Okay. What are the two reasons? I think that Al Pacino is still capable of taking risks. Yes. And I I think Robert De Niro has kind of settled into something. And what I think, and I, yes, I mean, they're both icons. Sure, they're great. Yeah. yeah. What I am so interested in with acting is someone who's willing to humiliate themselves. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that's, Pacino's definitely, 
you know, with, sure. when someone you see someone like even with Dog Day Afternoon, he had just done the so Godfather. So raw, though. So raw, Dog Day. So good. Yeah. But can you imagine? He's this actor who's like uh, this huge thing now because the Godfather, and he's like, I want to play a man who's robbing a bank to pay for a sex change operation for my boyfriend. Yeah. It's like at that time. No one thought that was a good idea. Sure. Right? And he's yeah. like, you know what? I am willing to put myself out there as an artist. And it's okay if people don't think I'm a man enough or they don't think I'm this enough. And that's what's interesting to me. I think he still does it. I think like, you know, there was a couple of those HBO uh, bio things. That oh, yeah. Did. His Kevorkian, that thing, that's amazing. Oh, my God. Amazing. 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 And, you know, the Phil Spector thing was okay. But, like, I really feel that with him. That, like, you know, for years... He kind of got into this zone. I saw him do American Buffalo in Boston. Oh, wow. Shortly after he did Scarface. And I swear he was still a little Cuban. <laughs> like he, he hadn't quite shaken the Tony Montana. You know, like there was a little. Was the know. audience like loving it though? Like, yeah, I don't know that he's doing it on purpose, but I'm like, I think it was a little Tony Montana. But it was okay for that character. Yeah. But then he got into that like hoo-ha. You know, like there was this thing. That, like, I started to worry about him because a lot of those old method guys, they just become a collection of ticks and habits that they can rely on. Right. You know, and people stop saying no to them or stop directing them. Yeah, but but both of them, like, surprisingly, like, oddly, that movie that De Niro did with uh, Anne Hathaway, The Intern, the intern. he's mm. really good in that. He's great at comedy. And he's, but he's very Meet sweet. The parents. But, he's a very, and, but it's yeah. like, it wasn't broad comedy. It was an older guy mm. that, you know, had, had, was experiencing, you know, grief. And, you know, and, and wanted to get and help this woman, you know, and he used to work in the building. Right. So it's like it's comedy, but he's playing a, a, a sort of sweet, you know, kind of a heavy hearted guy. Mm, 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 and he can still do that. Oh, totally. But like but Pacino, you're like, well, what's going to happen? You have no idea. He's just willing. To you work him, with him, right? He's the one who started my whole career. Really? Really. It was I was. Because I, you know, I had done um, the cherry orchard with Michelle. We were talking about vegan food earlier. I want to talk to her. I love her so much. Yeah, she's yeah. great. I was doing. Um, I was actually in Australia visiting them, and yeah. I got a call that Al Pacino wanted me to audition for Salome. I was like, "What? How was that even possible?" And so I went into audition for Salome, and from the moment I walked in, Jeremy Strong was my reader. Oh wow! Yeah, which is crazy, <laughs> yeah. you know, because we were both like these friends. We were friends, and we were struggling actors. And we started the beginning of the play, my or Salome's entrance, and I start and I could hear him in the audience go, Wow, she's amazing. <laughs> like all this and as I was With acting that Pacino, wow. 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 Yeah. You know, and yeah. as I was acting, I was like, This is not only was it the first time I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the first person to really take me seriously, but it's Al, Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, 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 he's he started my whole career. Oh, wow. Are you yeah. friends still? Oh, yeah. He came to see me in a doll's house. He goes, oh, you're like my daughter. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Like, it was so sweet. And then a friend of mine in the show was so excited to meet him. And Al goes over to him and he goes, you, that voice, you project so well. Uh, <laughs> my friend was like, he only talked about my projection. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That uh, he's probably being too sensitive. But. Yeah, he's. Been, I was like, listen, he, yeah. he, Al wouldn't have said anything to you if he didn't like what you were doing. So what do you? What's going? What are you working on now? Uh, oh gosh! So I just finished the play on Saturday, yeah. of course, because there's the strike. strike. Oh, you can't do anything. Yeah, yeah. We're taking a. There's a holding pattern for a while, but I'm going to be doing um, when we're all, you know, yeah. ready to go. I'm going to go do a mini series called The Savant. Um, I have another, I'm going to do a film with Michelle Franco, who's an amazing um, director, yeah. you know, Mexican filmmaker. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I've How got... About any more Shakespeare? I would love to. You love it? I love Shakespeare. I mean, I, it's interesting. I might do... Now that I, I, I've done this play, I'm like, maybe I'll go back and do a, a play every couple of years in New York. Why not? Why not, right? Uh, yeah, if you like it. I love it. Yeah? So I think maybe in 2025 I'll do something else. Also, Doll's House, I was thinking it could be fun to tour that a little bit next really? year. Maybe take it to Dubai, if they'll uh, let us. Huh. That could be interesting, right? I don't know what's in Dubai. Well, it's, Why Dubai? Because wouldn't it be fascinating to have a play where the oh, woman... The wo- <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. sure. I like to be a little provoking yeah, in my work. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That'd be amazing. You know? Yeah. Well, it was that, great talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. So good to talk to you. And I'm so glad I didn't have to use the hammer. Yeah, no one's had to use the hammer. I'm going to try to... <laughs> and also the fact that the handle is like, it's 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 shaved down to like a well, point. Well, it's broken hammer, and I think it comes from a, like some part of my past. Like, it, you know, oh, wow. I don't know where it, like it, I, I didn't own that hammer when it was whole. You like it, it showed up somewhere and I thought like, what a weird thing. I don't know yeah. why it has stayed in my life. And you said it right in front of your guests. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I never really <laughs> think about like, be, it made sense in the old, in the old studio. There was so much clutter. So much mm. of my life was everywhere. But I, when I set this desk up in here, I'm like, well, I want to put some of the stuff that was in the. Yes, of course. Uh, but, but in, in this more kind of uh, this environment, which isn't cluttered, it, it's a little odd. Everything takes well, on a lot of meaning. Well, this with this huge knife. That I that was left in uh, my old apartment by a woman who was subletting it who had a boyfriend who collected knives. Oh, wow. So right. I, it, there's the, the backstory on some of this stuff. The top, I'm the not top, sure where that came this from. It's kind of like a rainbow. I got these on a, on a beach in uh, in Kauai, some weird oh, that's beach. Cool. It, it's like, it, it's pieces of metal. It, you know, it, this there's is no rhyme or no reason. You guys are getting that's all... A, uh, that's a record before they smush it into a record. Oh, this is record. right here? Yeah. The vinyl? That's a vinyl before they smush it. I into hate a, music. <laughs> that's a, I don't know, what is it? Is it Trees the, of Barcelona, huh. super... Super uh, super chunk. Super chunk. The super chunk record. Yeah, you got the... This uh, is, I, rem- yeah, I remember yeah. my... That's a very hard one. Yeah, this is like, you. Know, I don't know if anyone, what these are called, but it's the, the thing that you squeeze in your hands. For, like it's yeah. in all the 80s movies where you yeah, see yeah. The, the... Exercising the wrist or the <laughs> yes. hand muscles. Yeah, 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 yeah. This somebody made for me. That's see? beautiful. I love mosaic yeah. stuff. All right. Well, well have fun. <laughs> Say hi to Michael Shannon for me. I will. I'll see him tonight. Good. Okay, there you go. Huh? What? Isn't she the best? I never know what to expect, and I and I really had a hard time all the way through just realizing, like, oh, this is, she's just a person. She's an actress, and she's very nice. Anyway, she's nominated for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie at this year's Emmy Awards. And also, in case you weren't following this at the time it happened, Jessica sent me an email confirmation that the exchange with Ben Kingsley actually happened. I saw it with my own eyes, people. Uh, she just wanted to set the record straight on that, and I'm doing it for you now. All right, hang out for a minute. Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here, and when they 
they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. If you didn't notice, I popped up on last week's uh, Friday show. Uh, Brendan taught me about the Montreal screw job, and I shared some examples of comedy screw jobs. There's one story that I always liked, uh, and uh, it's the you know the story with uh, John Stewart and Alan King. Wait, there I don't a, know this. Oh, it's pretty great, but it, it's it's pretty classic, and it is exactly that. Like, you know, Stuart was just, my, the way I got the story, and I don't know if John told me when, you know, he would talk to me uh, or or I got it secondhand, but it, it seems pretty real. So John was starting out and he had a gig opening for Alan King somewhere. And, uh, you know, and Alan, you know, introduces himself. They talk before the show and Alan's like, listen, you new guys, I know you say what you want to say and I just want you to know it's okay with me. You say whatever you want, use whatever language you want. You know, because I know that's the way, you know, you guys do it. And I respect for that, whatever. And John's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Right. So John goes out there. And he's like, fucking this, fucking that. Right. And he's just doing his act. And he brings Alan King up and right out of the gate, like these kids with the fucking this, fucking that. Oh. <laughs> there are bonus episodes twice a week for full Marin subscribers with a new one posting tomorrow. Sign up by clicking on the link in the episode description or by going to WTFpod.com and clicking on WTF Plus. Now I tried using a quick track. Tell me if it made a difference. I'm not used to them.
rumor lives. Monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels everywhere.